What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I am your host. We're going to dive deep into the Cowboys' 24-31 to loss to the Bears. You see how I framed that? Yes, we will be talking about the Cowboys first, but we will talk about the Bears as well. There's a lot of in- interesting information and data and Jason Garrett fired into the sun stuff coming out of this game. Reminder that you can always, if you like us, love us, or even hate us, download, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. Don't have to write anything. You can go online, your little Apple Podcast app, scroll down, find it. It's a little like you know, swipe left maybe once or twice. Hit the five-star button. And uh, if you're feeling frisky and want to leave a nice note or leave a question, do so with a uh, – you can type in the review. We're going to do a big mailbag around Christmas time. I've already seen – I've already gotten a, a heads up on the, the questions that Devo's got for us. They're good. They're good. They're going to make Sean look like an idiot. But he doesn't care because the Bears won, didn't they, Sean? I thought we were going to start with the Cowboys. You were we flopping already. Hey, Brinson, this deserves a uh, Brady Quinn pion pion thing. Pion, 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 pion. Unfortunately, Arsenal lost. So my Super Sean parlay with Arsenal, who was minus 165, and the Bears, who were plus 145, was going to pay 5-1, to one, did not hit. And I'm very disappointed in you, Sean. I should have. I told you not to bet on Arsenal. I explicitly said that. We can go we're check not the gonna, receipts. We are not going to do English Premier League talk off the top of this podcast. I'm we'll sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're, I'm, sorry I'm sorry for bringing it up, Brinson. That, that's my fault for bringing it up. You should not have brought up the parlay I bet on uh, on your teams. John Breach, what's going on, buddy? I have already turned the podcast off. I heard soccer talk. I'm going to bed. No, I'm just kidding. Like I'm here to talk about. I got. I wouldn't leave roasting Jason Garrett. Come on, I'm so I do, here I for do, this. I do feel like soccer talk would alienate fans quickly, but Arsenal sucks, man. More than Brussels sprout stock? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so anyway, let's get into this game. I mean, am I am I crazy? First things first, Jason Garrett, right? That's no. First things first, let Sean bask in the glow of the hey. Bears. Mitch Trubisky outplayed Dak Prescott. That's all I'll say because I'm sure he has a bunch of bullet points he's written down, probably naked. Go ahead, Sean. Enjoy it. It's, it's funny. Uh, he actually kind of looked like Dak Prescott in this game or like good Dak Prescott in this game because I think the key to this was two things. One, uh, the offensive line, I thought, probably pieced together their best collective performance both as a run-blocking unit and in pass protection. Trubisky's a lot like Jared Goff in the sense that the second that he starts to feel like pressure's coming, his footwork gets messed up, and his accuracy suffers, and he's not a good decision maker. But when he's well protected, like he was on Monday night or on Thursday night, he can be pretty good when all he has to do is look at his reads and get the ball out quickly. Uh, and then the second thing is that he ran for the first time all season. Um, he almost matched his season-long total. And this is the Trubisky that we saw through most of last year, which was not afraid to run the ball. And play calling, by the way, Kudos to Matt Nagy probably had his best play calling performance of the season, uh, getting him into space because he is really athletic. And I think Brinson, it was you who pointed out on Twitter. It's kind of like the, you look really surprised. I'm giving you credit here, but you are, it, you are feeling, feeling pretty good. <laughs> it was like the bears watched Josh Allen and what he did against the Cowboys a week ago. And they were like, wait a minute, we have our own kind of version of Josh Allen here. Let's turn him loose. And so, uh, um, I, I almost, I almost like we, we talked about it, like we figured Mitch wasn't running cause they, at first, it felt like they were trying to make him win from the pocket. Then it was he got hurt, so they were trying to keep him from being injured. I mean, he ran ten times for sixty-three yards and a touchdown today. Um, he, you know, he averaged more yards per carry than Zeke Elliott, uh, and he was more effective on the ground than the Cowboys were basically the whole day. Um, it did feel like they they went to him and like, listen, Mitch, screw it, we're running. Let's go back to twenty eighteen and let's see how it works. And it worked great. And this is what they should have been doing from week one yeah. of the season because it worked last year. And it it almost feels like, to your point, that they decided this is the year Mitch makes the leap. Let's just run a normal NFL complicated offense when, no, it's got to be one read, ball out. And if ball's not out, live for another play and run the ball. Um, and, again, I don't want to overlook, again, the offensive line's performance because I do think that's been the probably most disappointing unit of the Bears because it's it was such a strength last year. Uh, but, no, I mean – this is six straight quarters that Trubisky has played well. He played really well in the second half against Detroit. Funnily enough, that second half started a week ago with a horrible interception, and the game started the exact same way. He threw a terrible interception, had no business throwing the ball, just throw the ball out of bounds, and it felt like it was going to be another disaster game, uh, and he rebounded. So nothing but kudos to him. 
the only fear now is that he's going to do this for the next four games or three games. And, and uh, well, I'm, I'm worried that Ryan Pace is going to be tricked into thinking four good <laughs> games equals sustained Buddy. success. Sean, <laughs> Ryan, tell him, tell him what's happening. It's already done. The fifth year option is in the the hay is in the barn. Listen, man. Not only that, if he does four more good games of this, that's a good thing. What are you going to do? I mean, kick him out after he plays six good games. I was sort of like they came into this game, they beat the Giants and the Lions, and like I was on HQ on on Thursday morning. There's I, and I said, there's no way the Cowboys are going to lose this game after what happened to them last week at home against the Bills. Even though, by the way, the last two teams that the Cowboys beat. Giants and the Bills. I mean, Giants and the, and the uh, Lions. Same teams. Yeah. So that team sucks. It's over. Um, I think we're done high-fiving the Bears. Great job. Matt Nagy's sort of goofy in that he gets really fired up, but I actually respect that much more than Robot Johnson Magoo over there staying in there. No, who no, still we're not done high-fiving the Bears yet. Hold on. We're not done high-fiving the Bears yet. Do you want to go bash the Cowboys? Is, is that what you want to no, do? No, I, I was going to say, I, I know Matt Nagy's sort of a goofball sometimes. He seems to go over the top, but I appreciate that, at least that he's alive. I'm not sure if they unplug Jason Garrett on Thursday night or what. He still hasn't talked to his headset. Every time they flash to him, he's staring into space or clapping because I know he claps because you tweeted out every freaking time he claps. I, what, what is your deal with my Twitter account? Just, just like mute me. I don't care. Ryan well, like, just hates Twitter in general. Yeah, right. For the record, Ryan, Jason Garrett looks like he is physically devolving with each passing like sh- like shot of the camera it's like eyes are bloodshot he's more peaked than normal he looks like it's like a guy like has been like eaten like bitten by a spider and he knows his insides are melting and you can tell that he he just knows he's getting fired right breach that's kind of what it feels like he's at the podium a dead man walking uh he's the guy in your crew and the apocalypse that got bit by a zombie he's trying to hide it and he's sweating profusely and you're like dude you just got bit and everyone can see it, but he's like, no, everything's fine, and he's clapping, <laughs> and he's in—he's a dog in the fire. Uh, but this was a total disaster. But the, uh, the thing that confuses me is that Jerry Jones, he said last week, look, we can still win a Super Bowl. I'm not firing Jason Garrett. And everything he said last week about Jason Garrett and defending Jason Garrett is also pertinent this week. Because no matter what happens, this team is still in first place even if the Eagles win on Sunday, the Cowboys are in first place at six and seven. They could not win a game for the rest of the season, finish six and ten, and still make the playoffs and host a playoff game and conceivably win a game. So this is like a total disaster because I do feel like Jerry Jones is going to hang on until they're eliminated from the playoff race, until they literally cannot do anything else, which is not going to happen until week 17, and then boom. So this is just an amazing situation. By the way, you know who Jason Garrett actually is? He's Jordan Mormont. He got uh oh, no way. That's way too much credit. No, 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 no. Remember That's when he, an insult to Jorah. No, oh, remember absolutely. when he gets touched by the rock people? And, like, he knows he's being eaten alive? And he knows no, he's, he's just like, one of those. Like, I'm going to die, but I'm going to die nobly. He's an extra on The Walking Dead is what he is. Don't compare <laughs> him to Jorah. Uh, the, uh, I, have Cowboys, a, I have a quick question. The Cowboys, hold on. I'm going to read Steven O's email to you first. Uh, look, Devo sent me a note. We've got a mind meld working, Devo. I love it. Cowboys are at 68% coming nice. into the game, 61% coming out of the game to make the playoffs. The Bears, 3% coming in, 5.5% coming out. And uh, a note from Mr. O at Sportsline.com. In simulations, the Bears, 8.2 wins per game, are averaging, or 8.2 wins on the season on average, are averaging more wins than both the Cowboys, 7.8, and Eagles, 7.6. God bless the NFC East. Lord knows they need it. That is an accurate note. Yes, Breach. Uh, let me toss in one more thing on how bad the NFC East is. So going into week 12, before the Cowboys played the Patriots, their chances of winning the NFC East were at 60%. Then they lost to the Patriots, lost to the Bills. They lost two straight games, and their chances of winning the NFC East went <laughs> up 8%. They lost two games, and it went up from 60 to 68 so that, that that's just crazy. That just blows my mind. And then obviously what Princeton said is their current odds now that they lost to the Bears. Do you uh, know thought... who the biggest loser is from all of this? Uh, Jack Prescott? Uh, Debo, how are you feeling about that Dolphins loss? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Still not good. Because, I mean, if they win that game, it's over. Like, the Cowboys aren't winning the division, right? Mm. 
I think no matter what, it, it was always going to come down to that Week 16 game. Why? Steve the Cowboys can't win a football game. The Eagles can't win a football game either. Yeah, but it's, they beat the Dolphins. <laughs> you know who can win a football game? The Washington Redskins, who are on a two-game winning streak, longest winning streak in the division. Maybe I they told you about. I told you about my NFC East chaos part money line parlay: Bears, uh, <laughs> Giants, and the and the Redskins. And then all of a sudden, all hell is breaking loose in the NFC East. Uh, I, I want to point out real quick that I thought what was interesting was the juxtaposition of how the Cowboys started versus how the Bears started. Because all last year in 2018, we saw constantly that Mitchell Trubisky had great scripted first drives and that the Bears came out hot. And they looked good in the first drive. They, like, Matt Nate was scheming guys. Well, hold on. He was scheming guys open underneath, giving Mitchell Trubisky quick throws or letting him run like we were talking about earlier, Sean. And then for whatever reason, they got near the goal line and decided to push the ball downfield out of nowhere, resulting in a great interception by the Cowboys defender on the one. But I thought the, the, the really impressive thing for the Bears was how they bounced back because they got a punt from Dallas and then went touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. And that's not something we've seen from the Bears is an ability to really rally after a, after a turnover and rip off four straight turnover, four, or four straight uh, scoring drives. Now, granted, they started at midfield in two of those, but then they had two long touchdown drives, 14 plays, 68 yards, um, six first downs, and then 11 plays, 79 yards, Five first downs to close out with a, the uh, one was an Allen Robinson touchdown. The other was an Anthony Miller touchdown, I think, to close out the half. And that basically slammed the door. Conversely, the Cowboys, who now have started in back to back games, touchdown, punt, punt. They had a great scripted first drive and then they completely fell apart after that. So I have two thoughts on that. One on both teams. I actually thought the Cowboys opening drive was not as impressive, uh, as it may have initially looked. Because I just – it was – so 17 plays, 75 yards with four third-down conversions along the way. That's just not a sustainable approach. You can't on drives have four play or have four third-down plays, and, it, and that showed the rest of the game. I uh, What did they finish with on third down? It could not have been good. Six of 15, and that was after a four, uh, four of four start. So, like, I, as a Bears fan, it was a disappointing drive to give up that many third downs, but it also felt like if you're going to limit – the big plays and force them to do that. I don't think it's entirely sustainable. And the flip side of that is the bears in the first half pretty much only stopped themselves. You mentioned the the pick. And then on the field goal drive, they had a terrible block in the back penalty that negated the third down conversion. And that's why they had to settle for a field goal. And what was impressive. I thought about the bears. Is this is the first time all season. And maybe frankly, the first time since Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky arrived last year, uh, that they put the game away on offense late in the game. It kind of looked like David Montgomery fumbles in the second half and the Cowboys trim it to 31 to 21 uh, with eight minutes left in the game, roughly, or maybe a little bit, four minutes left in the game. Uh, and the Bears went out and they actually got a couple first downs. And in that second half, it wasn't just we're going to hand the ball off to Montgomery and salt this game away. He let Trubisky throw the ball and gain some confidence. And that was impressive because usually, and we saw this last year too, they get up big. And they would just punt the ball back and let their defense slowly milk away the game. They their offense actually contributed to this win when they were winning big. Any chance the Bears make the playoffs? I mean, I know there's a chance, but how? They got to win out, and I don't think that happens. I mean, you got to go to Green Bay next week, win. You have to win that, obviously. Then you have to host the Chiefs, beat the Patrick Mahomes, and then you have to go to Minnesota. I mean, it's the thing is they have two division games in front of them, so it's possible. But do I think they can win three three more games against that good of teams? No. You, you have, have to, to catch the Vikings. I mean, that's that's the thing. And you're only one. Well, you're, you'll be two games. You're one and a half games behind them right now, and your season finale is against the Vikings. So if you beat them there, you just need the Vikings to lose one other game. And they they have a very interesting schedule with very losable games. They play the Chargers, the Packers. And the Bears. So, uh, you know, that Packers game is definitely losable. So if they lose to Green Bay, then they go into Chicago, and all of a sudden, winner goes to the playoffs, Sean. It's in it's in Minnesota, but yeah. I, if, if, it, if it were to come down to a win and you're in, I would take the Bears in that game. Uh, if, it comes, if it comes down to Vikings versus Bears, win and you're in in Minnesota, I, my pants are soaked with piss. Because I am entirely. Remember what happened? It happened last year. Yes. It wasn't the same. Yeah. Bears were already clinched. For I'm buying. I'm buying adult diapers for me, Kirk Cousins, Mike Zimmer, and every single Vikings fan I know because it's going to get ugly. Uh, right. Did you just say 5.5 percent chance that the Bears make the playoffs? Yeah. Well, because the Rams are in there too, so they, the the Bears have to worry about 
the Rams also. But if the Rams lose the Seahawks and the, the Rams and Bears and, are both seven and six. And again, this is all dependent on the Bears winning, not just beating the Vikings in week 17, but beating the Packers in Lambeau and then the Chiefs at home. It just, and, it, that seems unlikely. And I think what's sort of being lost here, and we're talking about the Bears and we can talk about the Cowboys, it's sort of being lost in like, the Cowboys defense sucks. I mean, it's, that's not been lost sucks. anywhere. They, they've sucked for quite a while. They didn't have a lot of people out there, but at this point in the season, you can't make excuses because everyone's injured. Yeah, they suck. But guess what else sucks? Every other person on that team, even Dak Prescott tonight, I think, I don't know who tweeted it out. Um, we probably all did at some point, except me, because I don't use Twitter. But Dak Prescott is off the MVP ballot, I think. I think it's safe to say that he has, uh, removed himself from the MP- MVP ballot and has been replaced by Kirk Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky. Like, sure. You guys back in the mix. The, uh, yeah, I'm still taking bets, by the way, on the MVP for, for Mitch. Long live Mitch. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's safe to say that that he is off the MVP ballot. Yeah, I think Dak's MVP campaign ended on Thanksgiving, and this was just this was like the final nail in his iron coffin. Uh, look with the bear or with the Cowboys' offense. You guys mentioned that you can you <laughs> nail things into iron coffins. Well, I was looking at the first what kind drive. Of nails so, do you use? So after that touchdown, after you have the the Cowboys drive down, they get that touchdown on their opening drive. It's not how bad they were. They punted on their next two possessions, but the Bears lost Roquan Smith. So they're down one of their best defenders, and the and, Cowboys, yeah. Well, as soon as Roquan went out, Zeke Elliott ripped off a 31-yard run. Mm-hmm. Like the longest run of the game, it was like, uh-oh. They're like, if you feed Zeke, you're going to have a field day with no Roquan in there. And that's what it felt like. And so you see the Bears lose one of their best defenders, and it was like, oh, my God, the Cowboys are just going to steamroll. They're going to win this game easy, and then they couldn't move the ball. Their first two possessions after Roquan Smith went out, they went three and out. They went three and out. And then they finally got the field goal drive together, and Brett Maher is another. We could have an entire podcast on that dude. Uh, and he misses that 42-yard field goal where they should have employed Bruce Arians' strategy of taking a delay of game so they have to kick back from further because <laughs> Mara could only kick from 60 yards or further. Otherwise, he's going to miss. And so once they couldn't move the ball, and Sean was talking about uh, the Cowboys converting all those third downs, that wasn't sustainable. For me, it was once they went three and out twice without Roquan Smith on the field, it felt like they weren't going to be able to move the ball at all in this game. And all the Bears were going to have to do was score – 24, 27 points, and they were going to win. And, and so I, I was surprised at how bad the Cowboys' offense looked. And, and let's keep in mind, sorry, real quick, it wasn't just Roquan. Prince of Mukamara rolled out right before the game, and obviously no Akeem Hicks and no Danny Trevathan. So the Bears for this entire game were down both of their starting inside linebackers. Yeah, that's why I said at this time of the year you can't whinge about injuries. I got a fun fact for you, Breach, although you may not find them that funny. Brett Maher has now missed 10 field goals in 2019, more than any kicker in a single season in the last four years. And the cherry on top of that turd Sunday is he kicked the ball out of bounds late in the game just to just to uh, drive the nail into the steel coffin, as Breach likes to say. <laughs> and it, it was it was right after they cut it to 10, too, and it felt like, uh-oh, like, are the Bears going to be able to salt this away? And then he just Brett Maher said, uh, nope. Yeah, and that was absolutely the worst time to do it because that was after the David Montgomery fumble. Cowboys went down, they score, they cut the lead to 24-14, and I'm sure Bears fans were like, my God, here we go again, we're totally blowing this lead, and then out comes Brett Maher, kicks the ball out of bounds, the field is 53 yards wide, it is impossible to kick it out of bounds, you have to be a complete fool to kick the ball out of bounds, and yet he somehow managed to do it, and so uh, because of the penalty, that gives the opposing team the ball at the 40-yard line, so the Bears got to start a drive. At the 40 yard line, and that was, and then they scored a touchdown, and that put the game away. So we, Brett Myers, no longer in the MVP conversation either. Well, why didn't the Cowboys put in a claim for Chase McLaughlin? Is that his name? Every other team did. That's a good question, Ryan. They could have, and they would have gotten him because they had a worse record than the Colts. Oh, did they? Yeah. So I don't know. Jason Garrett is. I mean, J- Jerry Jones is currently talking, and I just kind of caught it. Like he. Looks roughly like my grandfather looked, RIP Daddy Pat, when um, I showed up my freshman year and was like, like so how'd you do in school, Will? And he's like, 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 he's like trying to control, you could see like the, like the elderly man rage simmering, or like basically anytime we show up three minutes late for this podcast, then Ryan, you can see this like little blue vein pop out on the side of Ryan's head. Hey, and jokes like, on you. I actually do meditation now while I wait for you to call. Ha ha. That's actually smart. 
Um, Jerry, Jerry said, and we'll have, we'll get all your meditation is what I'm saying. But he said over and over again, we've got to win a football game. I don't care what the standings are, what the numbers are. We've got to win a football game. Um, we actually also, thanks to the delightful CBS Sports HQ at CBS Sports HQ Twitter account, uh, we have some uh, Jason Garrett audio. Would you guys like to hear that Jason Garrett audio? Yes, yes please. It, it, it's hard to, it's hard to pinpoint that. Uh, I think there are probably different reasons. Uh, I do think that one of the issues we have on our team is guys are trying to do too much. And I think sometimes that, that creates problems, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And, uh, and we have to just get back into, uh, being more disciplined down in and down out. Uh, that's the way you handle adversity. Uh, you execute and, uh, you know, guys are able to make some plays, but, you know, on a consistent enough basis, we just didn't do, didn't do a good enough job of that tonight. Uh, we didn't defend the run well enough. We didn't defend the pass well enough. They moved the ball throughout the game. It, it, it's, it's hard. So, um, I was talking to Dubin before the game and he actually picked the Bears to win in the preview. Shout out to Dubs. Good call there. Uh, I, I watched the, uh, Saban and Belichick. I got a screener for that. The Saban and Belichick, uh, coaching conversation, whatever it is. It's awesome. Go watch it. It's on HBO on Tuesday, 9 p.m., I think, TV, uh, December 12th, December 10th. DVR it. It is really cool to see. But, like, I had completely forgotten. You guys remember that when Saban was in Miami? You know who his offensive coordinator was, right? Is that your question? No. Do you know who it was? I it was wasn't Jason alive, Garrett. so. It was Jason Garrett. And he's like on yeah, the sidelines of the star. Hat, like, and he's like clapping. He's still clapping. He's just clapping away. I'd completely forgotten that's where they hired him from. And it made a little more sense to me tonight. I guess last night after watching two nights ago, after watching that, that clip, like Jerry Jones had Jason Garrett in house as his backup quarterback. And then he saw him with, with, with Nick Saban, a Bel- you know, the Belichick disciple. And, and, and I think he just doesn't want to let him go. He just believes he, hey, like, hey, hey don't him. forget. 2009, Jason Garrett turned down the Ravens. Or 07, he must have turned down the Ravens. Uh, no, 2009, yeah. They hired him in uh, 08 because Tomlin was hired in 07 and then the year after came Harbaugh. So 08, he turned down the Ravens job because it wasn't good enough was the impression. No, you're right. He was he was the Cowboys offensive coordinator under Wade Phillips, and he knew he was going to get the Cowboys job because that's like the whole basis for the Kissing Su- Susie, Kissing Susie Colbert blog was that like – it was like door flies open and Jason's like, he's like, Wade, Wade Phillips is, it was a sarcastic Wade Phillips, Jason Garrett thing. But yeah, you're right, Ryan. He turned down the Ravens job and they took John Harbaugh. Can you imagine how bad the Ravens would be? And real quick, Garrett was the quarterback's coach. Mike Malarkey was the offensive coordinator under Saban. Oh, all right. Ooh. Okay. Just in case we had, in case we, in case we had, in case we had, I got dunked on? No, it was just a correction. If any serious Dolphins fans were listening, they were probably shaking their head like, Garrett was our QB coach when we, were horrible with saving the only team he ever couldn't win with. That, that I was, then I was like, why would he take the, why did they just move him OC to OC yeah, and yeah. block that move? Yeah, you're right. Well, they, it just cut to, Jason Garrett was being interviewed on this piece and it cut to film of like Saban and Jason Garrett talking on the sidelines. It just, well, I, I think either way, whatever his job was, he was a rising star and you'll be interested to know Brinson in 2012, October 2012, Jason Garrett said he had no regrets about not taking the Ravens job and he said, I'm sure they don't have any regrets either and he couldn't have been more right. <laughs> oh boy. Um, okay. Oh, one more, one more. Somebody, somebody yelled at me on Twitter. They're huh. like, you think? Only one person? So they're yeah. like, you think the fullback running the wrong route on third and nine is bad coaching? You think that's, it's like, it's like actually that, that is bad coaching. So that's the problem. Like that is bad coaching. The fact that you only had one running back active for this must win game. Tony Pollard couldn't play. They had Zeke Elliott. So they're running a fullback route. I mean, like the whole, the, the here's whole. The, here's the litmus test and take it to the extreme. If your team does something that seems like it's idiotic, ask yourself, would Bill Belichick do this at the extreme? Cause he is the best coach. And if the answer is no, under no circumstances would he do that, then it was an idiotic coaching decision and you can blame whoever else you want underneath that. But yeah. The running back just running the dead sprint to the end zone and not turning around on what would have been an easy first down catch, that's an issue. Someone's to blame. I mean, you can blame whoever you want, but at the end of the day, if Jason Garrett, maybe Jason Garrett isn't at fault. He doesn't talk during the game, so you can't technically blame him, but maybe after the game in the press conference, you can ask him uh, in between giving. By the way, that, that clip you played, is there anyone, like I'm not even joking, anyone less inspiring that you would want as a head coach of your favorite team 
than Jason Garrett? Nah, not even close. At least Freddie Kitchens will wear a shirt and, and try to make a joke out of it. I don't – Jason Garrett, I guarantee you Jason Garrett wears that cowboy uniform like on, when he goes to church. He wears – like he sleeps in cowboy pajamas. He probably doesn't have any other clothes. That's it. I believe that. Jerry Jones said, everyone who's healthy will be coaching. And guaranteed – Wait, what? He's they hurt. <laughs> no, he didn't get. He said Jason. He guaranteed Jason Garrett would coach if Jason Garrett's healthy. Now, if Jason Garrett has his knee broken in the middle of the night, what are you going to do? If he gets Tanya Harding, what are you going to do? He can't. Will coach he coach in, in a wheelchair? Yeah, yeah. Can't Honestly, don't knees. drink anything on the airplane that Jerry hands to you. <laughs> I would drink in a heartbeat. I drink two glasses of just to get out of it. Um, is this audio, Debo? Can we play this? Testing your yeah. luck. You already had a good one. Well. <laughs> Oh, I want to make sure. Right here's, uh, oh yeah, we got a. Uh, hold on, let's see. We're gonna get this, we're gonna get Jerry Jones and a little scrum here. You guys want to hear some Jerry audio? Let's hear it. Take. Okay, I had a little uh, complaining last week about the marathon. Uh, this is gonna be the shortest marathon y'all have ever heard. Uh, Chicago took it to us. Uh, we won't be going anywhere until we win a football game. We need to win a football game. I mean, we just need to win a football game. Jerry Jones is about to lose his mind. It's This is going to be one of the all-time most spectacular firings in the history of professional football. Um, or it's going to be the lamest because his contract's going to expire, and he's just going to walk off into the sunset, and we're not going to have an emergency podcast about it, which we all want. True. Are we, are we rooting for an emergency podcast? Yes. By the way, this is this is how the Cowboys started against the Bills on Thanksgiving. Touchdown. They did a nine-play, 75-yard, four-and-a-half-minute touchdown march. And everybody's like, oh, snap. The Cowboys are here to play. They're about to route the Bills. Then they went punt, punt, interception, fumble, missed field goal, missed field goal, downs, downs. They went eight possessions again before they scored another touchdown. Here's how they started on – Thursday night against the Bears. 17 plays, nine-minute drive, 75 yards, touchdown. Everybody's like, oh, snap, the Cowboys are here to put it on the Bears. You best believe Jason Garrett is pumped up for this. Then they went punt, punt, missed field goal, end of half, punt, punt. And then they finally, at the start of the fourth quarter, get a garbage touchdown to uh, – and then punt, downs, touchdown, field goal. So, like, all of Dak's numbers, 300, 334 passing yards, one touchdown, Trash. All trash. One of Zeke Elliott's ru- ru- uh, rushing touchdowns, trash. All garbage. Um, Trubisky had way better numbers. Michael Gallup, six catches, 109 yards, trash. Omari Cooper, 83 yards on six catches and a touchdown. He went over his uh, total receiving yards. I lost that bet. Trash. Um, anything else to add? Trash. Cowboys are trash. Not good. Not good. Not good. Is Jason Gary going to get hired? When um, seven or eight coaches are fired, as they are every year. This Ron yes. Rivera thing is bad news for Jason Garrett. What does that mean? Well, because, uh, yeah, that's a good point. And Jason Garrett would be like, you're, if he got let go today, he'd be like the fifth person you'd interview if you had a job. You'd call Mike McCarthy first. You would call Ron Rivera first. I would call Jeff Fisher first. You would call <laughs> Jeff Fisher first. You would John call Fox. Rich. You would, call Mar- you would call Marvin Lewis first. There are so many people you would call before Jason Garrett. I'd definitely call John Fox before. Same. At least he can build the defense. What about what about Mike Malarkey? Yeah. Oh I'm not calling Je- – I am not Ken calling – Ken Wisenhut. I'll call Ken Wisenhut before I call Jason Garrett. I'm not calling – why would I call Jason Garrett at all? Chan Gailey. Yes. Name I, a name. I guarantee you I'll say Mark yes. Mark Trestman. Yes. Trestman, sure. Absolutely. Willy Wonka, baby. Dave Shaw. No. By the way, Shane Gailey's been dead for three years. Does that bother you? That's a terrible thing to say. Maybe Shane Gailey has been dead. Podcast. He retired. He retired. I'm kidding. I love Shane Gailey. Um, say that now. That's if you a got tough sued. one. I'm just going to sue me for joking. All right. Terry Bradshaw or Jason Garrett? Who would you rather have coaching your team? <laughs> yeah. Terry, why not? At least it'll be interesting. Chip Kelly. Yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> That's the one you want to do? Adam Gase or Jason Garrett? At least, I don't, what's Adam Gase's fourth down percentage, Sean? That's a deal breaker. <laughs> That's my dog snoring. It is so loud. What is? My dog is snoring. Oh, I can't hear your dog. 
I can, I can, like, yeah, I can barely hear y'all. My dog is snoring. So. By the way, I don't know if this Ron Rivera thing is necessarily bad news for Jason Garrett, re the Giants, because I think Ron Rivera is the front runner for the Browns job in my in my brain. I, I like that move. Are they going to fire Kitchens? I, I mean, I, normal people would. Right, but was it Fowler for, with ESPN who reported like the Browns were never thinking about contending this year? It's all about that. To me, screams team already in like damage control when they keep the coach because they don't want to fire the coach. And they're and like I don't. By the way, like I don't want to call anyone's reporting, and I'm not saying he's what he what he's reporting is incorrect. But that just screams our season's so bad we're going to change the narrative of the season when. Come on, going into the year, the Browns were definitely thinking about like Baker Mayfield's not posing on the cover of magazines because they think they're going seven and nine. Like they think they're going ten and six away in the division. Yeah, I don't I, think it has anything to do with Fowler. I think that has everything to do with probably John Dorsey. I do think though that um, the the Ron Rivera thing would be an excuse if you're if you're John Dorsey. We could go to Jimmy Haslam and be like, "Listen, we don't want to reboot this. We like Freddie. We think he's a guy, but." This is a one, this is a very rare opportunity to go get Ron Rivera. I mean, like, even though it's, you know what I mean? Like, like every year it. it would be an upgrade, but yes, I, I know what you're saying. Right. But you could spin it that way. Be like, this is a guy who could stabilize it. And I love, love Ron since I'd known him in, uh, uh, Phoenix. And, you know, like, uh, we should definitely go get it. Yeah. Something just, I could see him spinning it that way. Um, by the way, walk in and say, Freddie Kitchens is horrible. You can see it. I can see it. He must go. I made a mistake. By the way, while we're talking about coaches, uh, Somehow we veered into Freddie Kitchens and the Browns, but I do think, and Ryan kind of talked about this, but I think it was more about like in-game management. Uh, I think Matt Nagy actually deserves a lot of credit. Like obviously this year, no matter what happens, probably it's going to end up being disappointing from the Bears perspective. But there was a time here where it looked like the, se- the season could seriously unravel. Not only were they losing a lot of games, uh, there were a lot of people that thought they should sit Mitch Trubisky before this recent stretch of play. Um, and there, I mean, I was okay with it at the time because I was ready just to completely move on. Uh, they lost a lot of players to injury. Akeem Hicks, we just mentioned all those players. It sounds like Roquan Smith is probably going to be out for the rest of the season. Uh, and they have kind of steadied the ship, and they're not going to make the playoffs this year, 5% chance. Uh, but I think it does bode well heading into next year, and I think you can sell it as, look, guys, we won eight games with a quarterback who was playing like one of the worst quarterbacks in football. If we can just get adequate quarterback play, um, we'll be fine. Uh, and if that's how you're selling it and then picking up his fifth year option, I mean, that's not a great thing well, they can, going into ownership. Well, they can pick it up, but I think the key is they got to bring in someone like a Dalton or whoever it is and just let the best man win over the summer. I think that's what's going to end up happening. We're what living in a world where Mr. Bisc, uh, Mr. Uh, the Bears, excuse me, and the Steelers have a better record than the Cowboys who lead their division. If the Bears and the Steelers were in the NFC East, they would be battling for the division lead. <laughs> yeah, we had a couple. Somebody asked on Twitter if the Cowboys could win the division at six and ten. They can win the division at six and ten. The Redskins can win it at seven and nine. The Eagles can win it at seven and nine. And since the sixteen game schedule became the NFL started using it in nineteen seventy eight, we've only had two teams get into the playoffs with a losing record, seven and nine Seahawks in twenty ten. And the Carolina Panthers at seven, eight, and one in 2014. By the way, here's the here's the I can't get over this quote. Ryan, Jerry Jones offers you something to drink. Don't drink it. Here's uh, here's Jerry Jones actually saying the thing he said. Football game. And everybody that's in here that's healthy, and everybody that's healthy that's coaching will be coaching, and everybody that's in here that will be playing, and we just got to play better. Everyone who's healthy will be good. <laughs> He's like, but what do you mean everyone is healthy? It's not the same. All right. Yes, Sean. I said that. Oh, you said that. I quote, yeah. oh, I said Ryan said it. Sorry. Classic Brenton. Oh, I even tweeted. It, I, even it, I know. That's why I saw it. It seems like uh, something Ryan would say, though. So I feel like it's better that. Well, like Father we, might be the quote to Ryan. I'm sorry, Sean. I will probably not quote it. Sean would have said something like, well, don't make fun of Aria on the plane or. Jerry will hit you. How? That's Very true. See? Don't say something bad about Aria. <laughs> it's going to be hilarious. Like, Ryan's going to get a bunch of followers. Like People are going to yeah, check out the awesome. podcast. Like, this guy's hilarious. When the uh, playing, I win. Brian retweeted it. <laughs> I just did that because Sean. What is this? Is fake news. You guys are fake news. I wasn't I even looking at Twitter, Sean, break. and then you started whinging about it. 
We'll sort it out during the break. I'm gonna, I'm gonna report this. <laughs> oh, Les first. Bowen retweeted it. Yes. I am reporting this to Twitter right now. <laughs> it is suspicious or spam. All right. Oh, Let's... the account tweeting this is fake is one of the options. Boom. <laughs> Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll have arrested Sean for trying to arrest me for tweeting fake news. Finger out sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondry's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right. Did you actually report it? Yeah, I didn't mean to, but apparently there's no confirm button. So once you click it, it's, it's there it's is final. not. Don't feel bad, Sean. I literally report 50% of what Brinson tweets. So, and they don't do anything about it. It's just fun. You just report it as spam and then you see what happens. I did report it and then it offered to block Brinson or mute him. And I did both. I don't believe you. Um, okay. Some news before we get to the best. We'll get to some five-star reviews first. Oh. Uh, OBJ, Odell Beckham, vague on his future. Will he be in Cleveland next year? Who knows? He said no one knows what the future holds. Like tomorrow, I couldn't tell you what's going to happen. This is like when you, you know, like Dave Gettleman was like, before when he was talking about trading Odell Beckham, he's like, who knows what's going to happen in the future? I might get hit by a bus tomorrow. You know, you don't know who knows. Who knows? Ryan, um, <laughs> Do you think that uh, OBJ is going somewhere else, maybe New England? That is my conspiracy theory. Came out earlier this week, I believe. Tweeted it. So I had receipts, as Sean likes to call them. After watching the um, the, the, uh, the Texans demoralize the Patriots and, and see Tom Brady pout in real time for three and a half hours, I just don't know how they can go through another offseason without getting some wide receivers. And after watching the Steelers beat the Browns where Odell Beckham was targeted six times, I think he had three receptions. And look, to Odell Beckham's credit, he's not punching uh, kicking nets or proposing to them. He's not acting crazy on the sidelines. He's just, like I said before, going out there and running wind sprints for three hours every Sunday and going and sitting on the bench, and, and that's it. I don't think it's going to work. I don't know why they traded for him. I don't know why Freddie Kitchen's offensive genius can't figure out a way to use him. And um, it makes sense that he might be somewhere else. He's making $15 million a year. The Patriots gave A.B. up to $15 million a year if he could stay on the team for more than 11 days. Uh, clearly, that didn't happen. So I think somewhere other than Cleveland makes a ton of sense. Now, if Freddie Kitchens gets fired and someone comes in and promises Odell Beckham a bunch of things, I mean, remember Pat Shermer last offseason called Odell Beckham in California to try to work things out, and um, clearly that, that didn't go very far, but – it seems like people go to New England and have a lot of success when they don't have success elsewhere. And Odo Beckham seems like a match made in heaven, especially if um, Breach's conspiracy theory that Tom Brady isn't go- is, is going to retire actually does come back because Odell's there. Well, Wilson, I think you're giving Odell a little too much credit, though, about just jogging off the sideline and not be a distraction. Let's not forget, this is a guy that wore a $125,000 watch in a game. A guy who wore- He didn't want to be late. A guy who wore cleats that he wasn't allowed to wear because they weren't team colors when everyone knows the rules that you have to wear team color cleats. A guy that wore a dark visor that he wasn't supposed – he literally has made multiple infractions this year, which are distractions, even if they aren't as bad as proposing to a kicking net or a dog peeing touchdown celebration. Uh, and as for this quote, 
Think of if you have a girlfriend for a year and you ask her, hey, you think we'll be together next year? And she said this. Uh, that's hell no. Like we're, we're breaking up. We're going to be breaking up before the end of the year. This is like OBJ saying he wants the hell out of Cleveland. That's how I read this. Rich, will you give me this at least? He's at least a little more subtle in terms of being a distraction than, than Antonio Brown. Yes, I, I will 100% will agree with that. He has not, uh, you know, frozen his feet off yet. That's a plus. By the way, he made these comments in a hot air balloon. I don't know if you knew that part of it. <laughs> and he has not threatened to beat up his general manager. So <laughs> definitely better than Antonio Brown. All right. Good stuff. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's it. You should get that. Play that on the on the soundboard and quit playing all these clips. Just play you going, mmm. Mm. Homer um, Simpson. I only do mm, when I'm doing work and I can't. Uh, how I often does how often does your wife hear that? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's a good point. Mm. All right, we're gonna get to some five star reviews. Are we ready? Is everybody got a list ready? You want to do the? You want, let, let's should we do the value guys last or first, Diva? What do you think? Mm. Do it now. Diva says first. Now, all right. Mm-hmm. Best off season values. So, Eric, I think it's Blazel. I don't know. He DM'd me and said, "Hey, I left a review early in the off season. Uh, you guys didn't answer the question yet." It was not about this, but he was like, I would, he's like, I am curious. He's like, some fun fact fodder for any Titans Tannehill discussions. Not sure it was ever mentioned when the trade occurred, but when his contract was restructured from two years to a one year, $7 million deal, the Dolphins had to pay the $5 million signing bonus, so the Titans paid the rest, plus the sentence up to $12 million. The value he's brought thus far on that deal is tremendous. Shout out to John Robinson. I was wondering what you and the Super Friends think is the best value signing of the offseason. Who has been the most bang for your buck contract for a team? And so, Sort of got us thinking, like, this is a great topic for a Thursday show. Uh, so if you got a question that, like, a good question like that, like Eric dropped, leave it in a review or hit us up with it. We'd love to answer it. We'd love to expound on a topic like that. There's nothing wrong with interactive, uh, <laughs> rundown planning. Like, hey, you make our job easier. We'll take it. Um, did require some research, of course. Well, let's go around the horn and, uh, and drop some of our favorite signings. And, and once we get to a, you know, to a, Sufficient number. We can get out of here. Sean, of course, you can go first. Well, just to clarify, we're also doing draft picks, right? Yeah. I mean, like. Additions. You know, Those are that, all. Yeah, but, like, you're not. Let's start, gonna... with, let's start with um people who aren't rookies first, then we'll come back to the draft picks. How about that? Well, I ranked them in order from 10 to we'll 1. Pick one that's not a rookie. Okay, you okay, would we, rank we, them. Do we not? I, is just that the whole name point? one, but, like, if it's, if it's like the. If you're like Josh Allen for the Jaguars, it's going to be a terrible. I, did, I didn't do Josh Allen for the Jaguars. Okay, I understand how. I'm not riding with like the coaches stuff. I understand how these things work. Okay, well, give me some <laughs> yeah, sure you do. Number one, Mike Tomlin. Next. Go ahead, John. <laughs> my number ten was uh, was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, the Dolphins, That's a good pick. I had that on my list. The Dolphins have three more wins they have any business having, and it's all, <laughs> and it's all came in games that Ryan Fitzpatrick started. And if you look at his contract, uh, it's like two years, $11 million, I want to say. Um, that is cheap money. And there's a lot of teams right now who don't have good quarterbacks who um, could have used Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think, even though he's very much a flawed quarterback. Okay. Um, I'll go next so no one steals mine. And I'm going to start at the top of my list because you guys will probably steal my other ones. Uh, my number one is Shaq Barrett with the Buccaneers. He is the NFL leader in sacks. He's been on tear all year. And the Buccaneers are only paying him a $1 million base salary. I don't think off-season signings get better than that. You pay a guy $1 million, he is leading the NFL in sacks. And the Bucks aren't great. But if we're just talking about dollar-for-dollar dollar value on a free agent, I think he's got to be uh, absolutely in the top ten. And he's my top. Got no problem with that one. I think Shaq Bear is a great choice. Uh, Ryan, who do you have on your list? Uh, I'm going to the middle of my list. Just to break this <laughs> off. I'm going with Duke Johnson. He was underutilized early on. He was a trade. Uh, his contract's three years, 15 million, which is, was signed with the Browns. That's certainly not terrible. He's eighth according to Pro Football Focus, and he's been a little start, a spark plug for the, the Texans running game. Compliments Carlos Hyde nicely, and obviously Deshaun Watson. Um, I like it. Uh, first of all, we should point out that we all agree Ryan Tannehill has been an incredible. He's number one. Val- is he though, Ryan? He's two on my list. See, you fools 
didn't even think to take Ryan Tannehill and jump straight into Teddy Bridgewater. He was Maybe three. the biggest value signing. Does that he, count, though? He was there I, I, Yeah, I thought we were only counting people that switched teams. Yeah. He was a free agent. They signed him this so offseason. He, did, he didn't switch I went teams. Prince in. He's number three on my list. Oh, so it's two to two here. I don't yeah. think it counts. They, they talked about him going to together, Miami and kept older. him in New Orleans on a one-year deal, and he saved him when Drew Brees got hurt. In fact, one moron on this podcast even said their season's over, and they're about to get the number one season <laughs> in the entire NFC. Who said that? No one said that. I have never said that, and I have to point it out every single time. (laughs) I said they couldn't beat the Seahawks, and that if they won two games while Drew Brees was out, they would still win the NFC South. All I said was they couldn't beat the Seahawks. We need to get the recording of that so we can play it on every single podcast that we talk about the Saints for the rest of the time. (laughs) So Uh, I will go with Teddy Bridgewater. By the way, that's a horrible pick. pick. As As Breach and I point out, Ryan Tannehill's number one. Go ahead, Sean, with your next doo-doo pick of a player that played on the same team last year. Go ahead. Uh, all right, we won't do the rookies, I guess. You can. I, I, I am curious to hear one of your rookies. So, in all seriousness, really? Well, it's, it's my it's my number one. Gardner, he's tricking he's tricking you in. Oh, Gardner Minshew's a great call. Gardner Minshew's my number one. Hundred seventy eighth overall pick, the tenth quarterback taken behind Will Greer, Ryan Finley, Jarrett Stidham, Easton Stick. What's Thorson's first name? Clayton Thorson? Clayton. <laughs> Northwestern. <laughs> so, I mean, you look at that, and look, Jags aren't making the playoffs, but they may have found their quarterback of the future, the guy they thought they were getting, like Blake Bortles and all that. And I think he was underappreciated, quite frankly, up until they gave Fools a starting job back, and in 10 quarters they got outscored by like 70 points or whatever it was. So he's my number one. Six he wasn't underappreciated. Pick. It's just that they signed Fools all that stupid money, and they're like, oh, well, yes. This guy's well, good, but we got to pay. It was also sort of like a, it's like Minshew mania, mustaches. It's crazy. It's fun. It's like, no, no, no seriously, he's better than Falls. What in the sixth round play? And what he's actually good at is like he doesn't have the strongest arm, which is what caused him to fall to the sixth round. But he's a guy who understands his limitations. Like he understands he doesn't have that strong arm, so you're not seeing him trying to make throws. Um, where his arm gets exposed. So he, he's just a really smart player, uh, and I would love him. Um, I would love Mason Rudolph is what you're saying. <laughs> the the anti Mason Rudolph, I think, is his new nickname. I just forgot one part of it, yes. All right. Uh who was second? Breach or Ryan? Ryan? No, Johnny. Uh I'm gonna go to the middle of my list since Ryan went to the middle of his list. I gotta keep you guys off my scent and not let you know who I'm gonna pick. I am gonna go with John Brown of the Buffalo Bills on my list. Mike. Three year, $27 million. He's been a huge part of why Josh Allen has been so good this year. You look at who Josh Allen threw to at the beginning of his career. Kelvin Benjamin. Was that, was he on the team? Who, who'd the Bills have last year? It was, he uh, fat, early, I believe. Fat, can we call him fat? We, like, I don't want to be mean to call anybody fat, but I feel like Kelvin Benjamin, we can Heavy call set. Wasn't that the best booger call of like the, ever? <laughs> what did he say? It's like four. Quarter pounders. It was something. He looks like he had a bag of donuts and a bowl of grits. They had Zay Jones last year too, Johnny. You're right. So you look at their leading receivers. It was Zay Jones, Robert Foster, and Kelvin Benjamin. So Josh Allen was had no one to work with. You bring in John Brown. I think that's had a lot to do with why Josh Allen has looked good this year. So Josh Brown, the middle of my list. I have the the booger quote by the way. It's a he's a Popeyes biscuit away from me. He's got the audio. Please, so Sean. Look at Kelvin Benjamin, guys. He's 6'5". He's 245 pounds. He's probably a Popeye's biscuit away from being a tight end. And he has trouble getting separated. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't wrong. Like, not even a whole biscuit, like a half a biscuit. He's tight end. I do. Booger's ahead of his time. We weren't even talking about Popeye's last year. Now it's not chicken sandwiches everywhere. That's uh, so great. I did. It's a great call with John Brown. The, uh, you got a screener of the Belichick uh, Saban thing? He got a screener of the Popeye's chicken sandwich early. Uh... You're going to love this one. I'm going to the top of my list, but my list is in random order, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Steven Nelson, cornerback for the Steelers, played for the Chiefs last year. 11th overall, according to Pro Football Focus. Three-year, $25 million deal, so over just a little over $8 million bucks a year, which is the most expensive deal the uh, Steelers give to cornerback, so it's not cheap. But um, he's been good, better than Joe Hayden. That secondary is playing well, obviously, because of Minka Fitzpatrick. But uh, none of people are talking about Steven Nelson outside of me. Uh, you're right. That's a great <laughs> signing. Not enough to watch. Um, I am going to go with a guy that I think, and I've talked about him a lot. Haven't we? Haven't probably haven't mentioned him enough. 
Phil Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Rivers is the uh, is definitely a... the MVP front runner. If anybody else got to say something different about that, then come see me. I'm right here in Beemore outside the bank. If you got an issue with that, come see me. I'm about that. Big trust. Woo woo. That's right. Woo. Mark Ingram, three years, $15 million deal that looks like a steal for the Ravens now. Um, he runs really well, as I pointed out, in shotgun with Lamar Jackson. He is constantly giving this team an energy it needs. I think he's going to trounce Buffalo on Sunday. And running backs in the offseason, paying for him, not a great idea. But Mark Jackson has been huge for that offense, a perfect fit with Lamar Jackson and everything they want to do in Baltimore. So I think he's one of the top value signings this offseason. He was on my list. I've got you – know, you guys have named seven out of my ten. Uh, All right. We'll do one I'll, more, one more, maybe two. I'll go to the middle of my list since I haven't done that yet and seems to be – in vogue right now. Uh, Robert Quinn. The, the Cowboys traded only a six-round pick for him. He already has nine and a half sacks. Did not have a sack on Monday night. Um, it's his most sacks since 2014, back when he was with the Rams of St. Louis. Um, and, look, the Cowboys aren't good. Uh, but there's a good chance they're going to end up in the playoffs. They, they need pass rushers. So, good good trade by the Cowboys. Breach. I am going to go with a recent addition Marcus Peters traded to the Ravens. Brenton already mentioned Mark Ingram. I feel like the Ravens have made a lot of smart moves. You could probably throw in Earl Thomas, even though that's not a great value deal because they signed him to max market. Uh, but I, he totally revamped that defense. It was a deal kind of made at the last second. It came out of nowhere. No one knew it was going to happen. The Ravens defense was so bad to start the season. They bring in Marcus Peters, and all of a sudden, their defense actually looks good. All right, I'm gonna do two because what? I'm crazy. What? what? Listen, no, I you're, gonna to point take, out you're gonna take. No one. one gets more upset if somebody has a tie on their list or does two than Ryan Wilson, and then he invariably always does. You see how Sean reacted though? <laughs> Sean, I can guarantee you, you don't have either of these guys on this list. I'm worried you're gonna you, have one of them. If you do, I will give you an extra two thousand dollars on your Mr. Trubisky MVP bet. I'll take that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're in line to win $40 million. Is one of them Minka Fitzpatrick? No. No. One is, uh, actually both of these relate to, to Brinson. One plays for his hometown team, Gerald McCoy. He's on a one-year deal. He's 12th, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, $8 million one year, but he, he's actually done a pretty good job in the middle of that defense. The, Their the run sucks. defense has been fantastic. It's hard to yeah. argue, right? I mean, the team been sucks, great. but he ain't playing quarterback. No, so they've been the pass. worst run defense in football. Well, he's graded out well. <laughs> what do you want me to tell you? Not as good as the Garrett Bradbury pick, so. Yeah, exactly. That's. All right, so well, what's the other one? The other one is uh, one of the few guys that Brinson had in his mock round first round that a lot of people didn't, Dexter Lawrence. Oh, I thought it was going to be my guy. Oh, and it's not your guy. He's ninth according to Pro Football Focus, and he's on his rookie deal, of course. They traded. Uh, that's the Odell Beckham, Jabril Peppers trade that they landed and decided to go with Dexter Lawrence. But he's actually worked out. The defense, again, is still terrible. You could take the, the Giants and the Panthers defense, put them together, and they'd still be the worst team in the league. But those two guys are playing well. In fact, I would even add that I didn't just land Dexter Lawrence in the first round. I landed him with that specific pick to the Giants in the first round. With a Dave Gettleman emoji. That's what really sold yeah. me on it. Blue, 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 blue. Um, I'm going to go a uh, similar vein to what Breach did, I guess. Maybe a mix of what Breach and – no, kind of what Breach and what Sean did, right? A pass rusher, but also someone traded. Oh. Yeah. Today, even Clowney. A steal. Oh. The Texans got, I mean, the Texans gave away to the Seahawks for a, lark, a song and a lark, as the grandparent might say. And, uh, he's, he's been an impact player, and I think he's going to be a bigger impact player down the stretch. Clowney, they needed a pass rusher. Clear that they, you know, just wasn't working out. I love the fact that they got Jadavin Clowney. Um, do we do one more or call it a day? Well, and Clowney, Aren't the Texans playing a lot of his deal? They're paying some of his contracts. The Seahawks yeah. aren't even paying full yeah. price because that's part of the value here. Seahawks are paying like six million, and the Texans are paying nine, or is it the other way around? Uh, it's something like that. Yeah, and because the value is important, because I forgot to bring up that Marcus Peters is still on his rookie deal, which is why I like to trade for the Ravens. Okay. Um, anybody else? Anybody? We'll just I'll throw, throw my, I'll throw the only two left on my okay. list. Uh, Matt Moore. Um, they only signed him because they lost Chad Henney. Over the summer, he went 
essentially two and one if you count the game that he replaced Mahomes early on in that. Um, and then Debo Samuel, 36 pick, 621 yards from scrimmage, four touchdowns from scrimmage, um, the 49ers leading receiver. Uh, and obviously Sanders is probably their best receiver now that he's there. Uh, but that was a great value pick. I would agree. Anybody else got anything else they want to add to it? Fire away. Yeah, you mention, uh, Joe Flacco, Brenton. <laughs> <laughs> Dunked on. <laughs> <laughs> did you snort? <laughs> yeah, Brian yeah, did. I'm very proud of myself. Um, you got me. You got me. I Anybody can see else? the wheels turning in Brinson said. He's like, someone else talk so I can think of a comeback on Wilson. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll throw out Latavius Murray. Yeah. Like four years, 14.4 million. And when Kamara went down earlier this season, he had a couple big games, went over 100 yards twice. While, uh, when he was starting. So, and one of those came against Sean's Bears. So I'm sure you remember that very well, Sean. Uh, so yes, Latavius Murray. Ah. <laughs> Ryan, do you have anybody else on your list? No, that's it. I've had okay. it. I will, uh, quickly throw out a couple. Eric Weddle, two years, $16 million for the Rams. Their defense has been good. It's keeping them alive. He got, he got, look, he got embarrassed by the Lamar Jackson thing. He's been a big help on the back. He end. said he had his face melted off. And he gave up, they gave up 55 points to James Winston. <laughs> the, the, the Rams, the Rams are only in the playoff hunt because their defense has been decent. So Weddle was cheap. And, uh, I don't know if Justin Houston qualifies at two He years was on my list. I'll give it to you. All right. And then the, uh, the other two that are actually no, uh, Bradley Roby, one year, $10 million of the Texans. That's a really, that's a nice signing that day. He, he's been playing well. And uh, Cole Beasley, four years, $29 million, along with John Brown. I think Beasley deserves credit. I would even throw Mitch Morse in there as well. Four years, $44, million. The Brown, Bills had a nice offseason. Okay, let's move along. Great, great segment, guys. Great segment. Um, one word, zero analysis. Is that your – that's Devo's header. Okay, not uh, – I thought that was the, the title of the review. I was like, that's not what our show is. Our show is a lot of <laughs> – a lot of words, zero analysis. Uh, MBV, comma, jog, comma, blah, 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 somebody who typed a bunch of letters in says, great show. Who do you think will win the Super Bowl? One word, zero analysis, Sean. Chiefs. Ryan. Sean took my answer. I like it. Um, Seahawks. Breach. Sean took my answer, and then Wilson took my backup answer. Saints. Why do you guys all think the Chiefs are going to win the? the I Super picked them Just before kidding, the year. Don't tell me it's one word. You can't tell me. I picked them before the year, also. Vikings. Ew. That's a terrible choice. We're them. going over four. <laughs> no, yeah. we picked the Patriots it's, it's or the Ravens. The yeah. Belichick's going to play this clip on a loop in the Patriots locker room. Ravens. I'll take the Ravens. Why? Oh, yeah, that's, that's more than that's more than one, one word. word. Yeah, you already said your word. You were disqualified. Use your word wisely. You're breaking Debo's rules. Zero ten. Says amazing. Woo woo. <laughs> woo, woo. All right. All right. We're not gonna do any woo woo. Big trust. Woo woo. Woo woo. <laughs> Love woo woo. Here you go with a soundboard. On the pod and have listened for years. Probably, mm. probably back. I bet Z Rod's been listening since me and Ryan were doing the mm. OG Ion Football Pod. Brinson, is Ryan or Breach more likely to go to a library and fall asleep? Um, there are more follow-up questions. I would say that the obvious answer, so it was directed at me, and I'll defer to you, Sean, for a follow-up response. The obvious answer is Ryan, um, because it's a library. That's where Ryan would go. He's like, hello, fellow nerds. Are you having some coffee? So I would agree with that, except if we're going to the library after a night out, because as all we remember, when we were in Florida, we had a night out, and then Breeze the next morning was falling asleep as he watched Hard Knocks in the office. Oh, this is true. That's right. Also, I can actually count on multiple hands how many times I showed up at my college library hungover and would fall asleep in a cubby and wake up two hours later thinking that I went back in time. It, was just, it happened more often than you would think. I can actually top that story. My sophomore year of college, I had a test the night before. I didn't drink in high school, so I think I started drinking midway through <laughs> freshman year. So that's a terrible – by the way, if you have – Every kids, great drinking story starts with I didn't drink in I, high school. <laughs> just laughing at him for not drinking. I know. That was kind of me. My, my neck, my phone. Look, if you have kids, let them uh, – drink responsibly with them. Don't let them go off to college and having not drunk is my point. So sophomore year, I had a test like on a Tuesday morning at 930. I wake up at 7, 
so hungover because I, you know, probably had two wine coolers the night before. I go to the library to study. I pull a breach and fall asleep. Wake up at 1030 after the class has ended. Missed the test. Got a zero on the test, obviously. Oh, and God. I didn't even try to make it up. I think I uh, I must have dropped the class because you're not passing the class with a zero in it. So, uh, yeah, Breach and I both like to sleep at libraries, usually during college, but at least he actually woke up and went to class. I've got a – I don't want to tell the story on the podcast. Oh. You want to hear it? You want to hear it? Yeah. All right. So I'll tell it real quick. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. No, go. I don't have to tell it. It's a, it's about a, it's a test story. It's, it's kind of funny. Did you did you mess up? Is it a Brunson failure or a Brunson success? Uh, success. Uh, see, do we really want to hear that? All right, tell it. All right. So, um, when my wife and I were dating in college, we um, were studying for this exam. We had a, we had classes together, and we were studying for this exam. We're at our house. It's on Wade Avenue in Raleigh, and we're like have an hour before the test, and this little this old lady like crashes into a telephone pole right outside her house. So we were like, oh crap. Like we, you know, so we had to go and help the lady. And by the time like the cops came and we got her on the way, we were late to get to the class. So we show up and we're like, it's, it's it was like, you have three hour exam periods or whatever, right? We probably got there an hour into it and we're like, all right, well, you know, we got two hours. We'll just ask the guy if we, you know, we'll tell him what happened. We get there. Literally everyone is, is gone. Like there's not a single person there. He's like, what are you guys doing? We're like, well, this had like, oh, that stinks. He's like, I'll tell you what. Sit down, take the test. Sit down, we start taking it. He goes, all right, listen, I'm going to be back. I got to go. I'll be back in uh, exactly eight and a half minutes. Don't, you know, we're like, what? Like, oh, oh he's telling us how long he's going to leave. So we can like, you know, like talk about this test or whatever. So we're like, all right, what, you know, like, what, do you, what do you got? You know, blah, blah, blah. and like eight and a half minutes later, he walks right back in. He's like, do you guys have any questions about the test? I was like, well, you know, I was thinking, I was wondering about the semblance of the organisms as they cloud. And he goes, the answer C, Mr. Brenson. I was like, oh, well, uh, what about number 19? He goes, that's B. I was like, well, what about number 20? He's like, that's C. And we got not, we got hundreds on the test. Like a hundred. He goes, literally every answer to the test. And we got to just skate out of there dancing after we showed up late. It was incredible. A highlight of my academic career. Welcome to NC State. This is your education. Uh, yeah, I was going <laughs> to say. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what class it was. I thought that's what they did at North Carolina, but okay. Yeah, this is Chapel Hill at Chapel Hill. Um, follow up. He says, also, I could see all four of you at a trampoline. This is from Z-Rod still. All four of you at a trampoline park battling five-year-olds in dodgeball. Who would be the best at trampoline dodgeball? Who would be nice and get out on purpose to make the five-year-olds feel good? And who would wreck them in the face? I'm <laughs> guessing Ryan would be the nice guy and Sean would RKO and fully wreck the little kids. Brinson would probably try to act really cool. Amazing pod. and love the tangents. Don't listen to anyone. I was once down 25 uh-huh. podcasts because of lack of time to listen. I listened to all out-of-date ones even because I love – even even all out-of-date ones because I love this so much. Can you actually- imagine? My God. We should send Z-Rod the uh, Ray Star Wars tattoos that I was going to send Sean. If I had to listen to 25 straight hours of this podcast – 100% of blow my brains out. Diva is still alive. What are you <laughs> no, he's not. He is so dead inside. Look at him. Look at those empty eyes. <laughs> Please, Diva's riding this this rickety roller coaster to the top. This, this is Devo's burner account. He's like, if I have to listen to 24 hours, I'm getting a question in with five stars. <laughs> so I don't think Sean would be the one trying to fully wreck the little kids. I think that would actually be Brenton, wouldn't it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Sean would be scared to be like, I don't know if I'm supposed to talk to little kids. <laughs> no, I'm actually scarred from the time I was in eighth grade playing soccer with a bunch of like the whole school. I went to a small school. It was like fourth graders and I just kicked a girl in the face, but it was a very impressive no, with the ball. Um, but it was a really, it was a rocket by left foot. So that was the thing. It's like just, under- you play for Arsenal. <laughs> I would absolutely, I wouldn't wreck them, but I would not let them win. I have eight nieces and nephews. And I do not let them win at anything. I am undefeated at every sport we have ever played against them. Board game, swimming, basketball, anything you can imagine, I win it all. And I would not let five-year-olds Can you swim, win. John? You look Trampling. like someone who can't swim. I, what? Is that a Mexican joke, Ryan? No, just a John Breach joke. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I can swim. Come on. I can't swim? Why would I look like that? I don't know. <laughs> Somebody here is like, who has the adorable little chortle on the pod? We've established that this is Breach. Breach, no, Breach is a chortle. He giggles. It's Sean. Who snorted? That was me. Wilson. Sean's a chortler. 
Wilson's getting a lot of love on Twitter for this quote. About I don't know if it's adorable though. Your laugh is more adorable than my than my. Oh short. my gosh, Sean! My Twitter's blowing up with this quote that I had on the podcast. Hey, oh, by sh- the way, <laughs> shout out to Macaulay School, my alma mater, <laughs> won the state championship on uh, on Thursday night. Beat uh, I'm sorry, we beat uh, Kirk Herbstreit's alma mater. Suck it, Herbie. Well, if we're shouting out, if we're shouting out all the moders, everyone tune in noon Saturday, Miami of Ohio Central in the Mid American Conference Championship game. They're gonna roll into Detroit, kill the Chippewas, and then go to a bowl game, but not the Bahamas Bowl, sadly. They are uh, six and a half point dogs, and I would lay, I would put money on the Chippewas if I were you. Oh, uh, you'll lose that money. That's what happened. Are happen. you betting against them last week, Brinson? Yeah, you know what happened, right? <laughs> I don't know. They, no, they, they got up. The, Miami of Ohio got up fourteen nothing, and Ek pops into Slack and tags me, and he's like, "Hey, Breach, hey, let's tell Princeton to suck it." And then they gave up thirty seven straight points. It, it, it's worse than that. Miami was up twenty seven to fourteen in the third quarter. They're up thirteen points in the third quarter, and we're clowning on Brinson. We're like, "This was your lock of the week. Quit gambling, Brinson. You're gonna lose all your money." And then the, uh, Ball State covered. Few things worse than dunking on Brinson only to come back in the second half and have him just dunk on you for the final 15 minutes. <laughs> only, only to have it, only have it bounce off the rim and hit you in the nuts. <laughs> um, all right. We're good. Good show. Make sure and check out the Facebook group. Go to facebook.com. Search for Pick Six Podcast. You can join. Pop in there. We'll answer questions. We'll have, uh, we got picks. Pick's Pot, great pick show with Prisco. A happy Pete Prisco is very bizarre situation. R.J. White was feeling it. Great picks. I think podcast some people call it there. the flagship of the uh, podcast, right? Signature. Signature. Rude. Yeah, you that's, know. So, that's so rude because he says that to us on Sunday nights. You guys know who the signature show is. It's y'all. Why don't we put, put a Twitter poll out there and see what Twitter the people poll. say? What's the signature of Pick 6 podcast show? Sunday Night Recap. Sunday night recap. What are the choices? Sunday night recap or just picture? Brady, probably Sunday night Brady Quinn. Ooh, and I don't picks. know if I'd want to go head to head with Brady. I'm just, no, I'm, I'm just saying those are probably the three because I don't think anyone's saying Monday night or Thursday night. They'd rather just say Sunday night. I uh, thought you were talking about Dubin. Yeah. Oh my uh, God, Sean. Is there a rivalry there we don't know about? Oh no. Oh no. Dubin, if you're listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> Sean, you need to stop talking smack about well, or Or the preview shows. And make sure to check out our signature <laughs> Sunday night recap show after week 14's action gets done. Be back and take shots day. every time Wilson says doo-doo. Oh, and um, that reminds you of something. And uh, tune in 4.30 p.m. Eastern time on CBS Sports HQ, CBSSports.com Live. We'll be doing a Pick 6 podcast show with Tommy Tran. Maybe. Somebody. Somebody will be there. It'll be fun. Thanks for listening. See you guys on Sunday. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.